0: This is The Rest is PR, with Lyle Fulton and Jackie Vores. Hello everyone, welcome back once again to The Rest is PR. My name is Lyle Fulton and I am here once again with the absolutely wonderful Jackie Vores. I say I am here with Jackie because I currently speak to you listeners from my flat in London. And Jackie, where are you speaking to us from this fine Friday afternoon?
1: I am on a deck in a hotel in Lisbon, overlooking the river, just back, well, back from a conference.
0: It's all right for some, isn't it, listeners? It is all right for some. Do you know what I mean? This is the thing, in the dream out in Lisbon. It's beautifully sunny. What you can't see, which I can see on this Zoom call, and I've just been shown it before we went live, It's just a beautiful panoramic view of the sea, a gorgeous room. Yeah, that's living the dream, isn't it? That's working the dream lifestyle. And it actually lends us nicely to what we're going to discuss this week. I'm going to caveat this by saying that I'm not actually as jealous as I could be, because as you will know, I have just got back from a lovely week away in the Dominican Republic. So actually, if anything, you know, pot, kettle and all that sort of stuff. But um, yeah, delighted to be (laughs) back with you this week. And Jackie, you just mentioned to me that you are out there having just returned from a conference and this week we're going to discuss the idea of PR and international travel international events conferences. Last week we discussed remote working and the advent of doing these things digitally. But it would be remiss of us not to mention that when it comes to PR and public relations, you can often find yourself traveling here, there and everywhere. And Demozo in particular, as an agency, has lots of clients that operate out of Canada, the States, you're there in Lisbon, you know, in Europe. So my first question to you is, before the pandemic hit the world, how much was international travel, going to conferences to sort of work with clients, network with other professionals, how much was that? part of what you did as a PR professional and is it on its way back are we starting to see a return to in-person conferences what's been your experience of sort of traveling for work as it were
1: it's such a huge subject actually traveling for work I mean I'm I I love it I feel really blessed and honored to be able to travel to different locations see clients meet with colleagues my international colleagues so I'm in Lisbon right now and just a bit of a disclaimer I'm on this deck and it's a public area of the hotel, although it's quite quiet because it's around lunchtime and everybody's either eating or snoozing. Um, so if you hear some mad noises like chickens, there's been an old lady running around shouting into her mobile phone <laughs> recently, which always makes me laugh. So I love to that old people think if they shout louder, they can get further. And then there's the occasional seagull. Um, but apart from that, we should be okay. So yeah, back to sort of being in Lisbon, I'm here because uh, we have a yearly meeting with our international partners from Global One Communication, which is a network of independent PR agencies from all over the world. And we try to meet up once a year. Obviously, during the pandemic, we did not. So this was our first meeting for two years. So that was really exciting to see everybody. And you you can have a very short memory when it comes to what you gain from these meetings. But we discussed everything from our own countries and the themes and the trends and the issues that are really important within those countries and then we discussed things like our staff and you know making sure our staff are motivated and particularly remote working came up as a topic which was uh, really interesting and obviously I put quite, quite a lot of thought into that topic since our last our last podcast and all the different things that people were doing and how pr has morphed and changed in each country so it's been a really educational motivational thing to do
0: brilliant I mean I think this is a really important point to make as well I mean we kind of discussed well not even kind of we absolutely discussed last week the idea that remote working was not only such an important part of how we've adapted to the global pandemic and the crisis that the world has faced but also kind of caveat and counter to that the idea that also you can't beat the intimacy you mentioned the word intimacy last week you can't beat how important it is to actually experience meeting people and networking with people and it sounds to me like you've had sort of not one but two years worth of material and information to catch up on and download with other members of this group I suppose a follow-up question to that is we're kind of moving as we typically do when it comes to episodes of this podcast it kind of starts to divert and you know become (laughs) a tangent to a different subject but like this idea of networking right I mean how much more difficult was it to network with people who, A, you knew professionally beforehand, but also new clients, new professionals in certain industries? How difficult was it to network with people digitally? Or was it even that difficult? And is it a lot easier to kind of forge those professional relationships face-to-face at events like this? Is it is it easier to do it that way?
1: No, it's really hard. And the um the difference between remote working and remote networking is quite significant or remote contact continuation Mm. it's very different when you're remote working you have to engage with your colleagues on a daily basis you know you have to get the job done but with networking it's a little bit more intangible there are fewer direct objectives that you get out of doing the networking with networking you never know quite what's going to come from it you never know what you're going to learn or who you're going to meet and you do sort of especially if you're going to travel to network and learn you know you're going with a set objective but when you're during the pandemic I found it you were almost lazy really it wasn't at the top of the list of priorities to try to go to virtual events or try to maintain your contacts and one of the things we were discussing was how valuable we had found meeting up and how we were going to continue that value by trying to stick to our monthly calls because we had tried to put calls in place amongst our international partners But it always got sort of relegated, dropped down the line of priorities. Um, So actually being tasked to go somewhere, find stuff out, find new connections, find out about things is is very different physically than it is virtually.
0: And it also, I imagine, demonstrates kind of a willingness on both sides or on one side if you're traveling to a client. Again, I don't, well, maybe we have spoken about this in previous episodes, but we've kind of spoken more about, kind of the technical specifics of certain things but I am a big fan of kind of looking at the personal and the sort of societal themes that surround certain situations in life and things like body language and relationships and these are things you can't pick up necessarily as well I think
1: Mm. over
0: a zoom call but also kind of a determination to be there and be present do you see I mean with the client kind of then can boost that relationship moving forward, I imagine, can't it? It can kind of make yeah. them sort of aware of your determination to be present. Is that is that something you've experienced?
1: Well, with this meeting, so this partner network of ours is, um, you know, they're all independent PR agencies. They're all agency owners, and they're all from, you know, very much representative of their countries. And so, culturally, even though we all do the same job, which is put our clients' messages across from um, a public relations perspective. And even though we all deal with the different channels of communication, like the media, like the press, like social media, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, we all do it slightly differently. We all do it with less or more focus on media relations. It's just fascinating seeing what is important in each country and what we can learn and take back to each other's geographies. For example, I was talking to Lorenzo, who's the CEO of Competence, which is our Italian PR agency. And he was telling me, and he's also a lecturer at his university. It's quite interesting how many of us do quite a lot of lecturing and mentoring in in our own our own uh, in academia as well as running our own businesses. Um, and he's a lecturer, and he has built a sustainability communications package for his client base, which he's now turned into a study topic for the university he lectures at. It's Fascinating. And we I was talking to him about how I can take that back and package that up for clients in the UK. Because sustainability is is a global world, it's a worldwide theme. Mm. It's very important. And the problem is you have a lot of companies doing a lot of work in sustainability and doing really good stuff, but not telling anyone about it. Not yeah. even their employees, which is, you know, a real issue. And luckily sustainability in Italy is a has always been a huge topic. And so we're able to to take their learnings from other countries and bring them back into the UK.
0: exactly. So, yeah,
1: but I don't think I would have had that depth of conversation with Lorenzo and get such great insight into what is happening in that particular sector if I just picked up the phone and gone hey Lorenzo how you doing?
0: Well also because I think remote working has led in some ways beneficially but in other ways it's kind of had its own sort of shortcomings has led to us kind of acting very hard and fast about work I mean we discussed last week didn't we that you can kind of get down to business but it leads to you forgetting certain things like you spoke last week about potentially sort of forgetting to let people know I'm sure you don't do that actually all that often I don't want to stick the knife in but you know what I mean some people you know some <laughs> people sort of
1: team, Lyle. <laughs> there
0: you go that's it maybe I'll sort of I'll, I'll put that I'll put the message out but you know you, you sort of think oh I'm gonna let someone know this and then you put it to one side but because you're remote working you're not there with someone you don't then have someone to kind of remind you to do that thing. But also we spoke about how you can work into the wee small hours because there's no limits on the amount of work you can do because you're in front of your laptop, you're at home. It could be 12, 14, 16 hour days, but they're very, very specific points you need to hit. You have a checklist of things you've got to do when you're remote working and you go after that. Yeah. What you've just demonstrated quite beautifully is that you're in a position where I imagine the sustainability conversation was a spin-off. Of a point, I mean, again, I might be wrong, of a point that you absolutely had set out you were going to address. But it was a total spin off that you just kind of got chatting about because you happened to be in the room with someone who was like minded and you just thought you'd have a chat about this. And as a result, you're going to leave Lisbon this weekend. Having had a conversation, That's you would one otherwise of the
1: small bits of value that you know that I got I derived from the whole meeting. I mean, there's you know always that sort of uh, when you're networking is always that aspect of you know really gaining knowledge about how people are. We we're, we're all tackling the same topics. We're all tackling the same challenges, and it's so interesting to see the different approaches to each challenge, and how culture really affects the approaches. So I'll give you a challenge that we all talked about, which was our lovely clients, we all work on this thing called a retainer. Now, for those who don't understand what a retainer is, it's basically basically like a monthly salary. So what you contract with your clients is we say, hey, clients, you have this job of work for us to do. You agree what the scope of that work is. You agree roughly how much time that job will take. And that usually comes from a lot of experience of knowing what time you need to put into things then you agree on a set amount per month and you agree amongst yourselves that that can be less or it can be more but it'll be roughly it'll all net out to those amounts of hours per month and that's a great system to help you so you know your monthly income and you usually take a contract out with the client for a year and depending on the geography or the country that you work in that kind of matches the kind of expenses that you have with your workforce or with your office space or whatever that is. So you work it out. You run a business and you run a business to margins and profits, et cetera, et cetera. So you know your cost base, essentially, when you've got retainers. Now, clients usually do or don't like retainers. There are pros and cons with every kind of charging. Clients don't like retainers because they don't like to be tied to a sum of money sometimes or they don't like retainers because they like to see granular detail on exactly what what you're doing a lot of my european counterparts have moved so the problem with retainers for us sorry i should say is that we always over service if clients knew this then they would probably take retainer all day long because my constant battle my constant challenge is to say oi we never said we'd do this at the outset. How come we started minting NFTs for you when we were really only supposed to be doing media relations? Where did that come from? And
0: we deal in hours as well, don't we? Whenever we do our yeah. weekly meetings, there's like a set number of hours that we work on a particular client. And you often find that when you log your hours, you kind of look back and go, whoa, oh gosh. Yes, yeah, you know, I've, you know, exactly.
1: Indeed. So um, all of our clients can happily sit back on their laurels and say, yeah, I know I'm <laughs> over because we are very transparent with as you've just rightly pointed out, Lyle, we do make sure that we log all our hours, we keep our clients on track. We don't do it from a oh, you know, we know we're we're going way over target on our hours bill it, you know pay us some more. I wish we did, but we don't we should maybe anyway, but <laughs> what we do for the reason we do it is to make sure that we are not actually under servicing clients that we're actually making sure that we're putting as much into not only the client's work but also the right work prioritizing the right things etc etc so we're very transparent with our hours amongst our team and we're very transparent with those hours amongst our client our reporting process is created so that a client has a really good bird's eye view of what our team is doing at any time and that we can focus on the priorities that the client wants challenge as I've just outlined, is that when you over-service clients, that leaves you with a lot less time to put into new business or training or staff development. You know, those hours get sucked into the client and it makes you less profitable as well. Now, people who know me know that I'm more driven by what I personally like than profit. You know, I do love to enjoy the business and the clients and the work and I don't like to look at the bottom line. That's Daft's job. Let Daf do all that.
0: Let Daft sort and,
1: it. <laughs> so I was probably the wrong person to be at this conference from a working practice. Daph, if you're
0: listening, you could have been in Lisbon, but don't worry. You're at home, <laughs> put it in the hard yard. It's all good.
1: <laughs> a lot of my European counterparts are now using that challenge and turning it on its head a little bit. And some of them are just charging by the hour. So they are billing like lawyers, which is really interesting. And some of their clients love that. Because they really want that transparency. And I think, again, that's a cultural thing. And some of our counterparts are actually looking at ours only from the standpoint of the people that work for them and how much money that consultant is making for them oh wow So if you if I use one of my uh, I'm not naming the partner's names but if I was um, looking at you from their perspective Lyle I would have a line against you showing your hours that you're working showing what clients you're working on and showing how profitable you are to me
0: <laughs> oh wow and I if, wouldn't be working now, you for you probably the, fairest- <laughs> way,
1: but the thing is you have to do that in the fairest way because that mm. you know you cannot like PR there is intangible value to people like you have this intangible value I couldn't put a value on your experience and expertise when it comes to podcasting broadcasting acting how you bring that presenting skills to the business how you bring a real world um, performance aspect to our podcasting and and presenting out what we do so that's an intangible value that I couldn't place I couldn't say oh you know That's Lyle's value. Here's another value line that comes in there. So I don't agree with that method, but it works according to geography. And this, you you discover so many things when you travel. It's a bit like I really was encouraging my nephew to go traveling. I was chatting away with him. He just wants to go run his own business. He loves talking to me about business. And I'm going get out, travel now before you get the responsibility of running a business. You'll never experience the world this way.
0: You're living, breathing proof that you can run your own business and still travel. You've you've learned something even just the last 24 hours and you've been away sort of somewhere else. I mean, yeah, I think it's really interesting, isn't it? Because again, a, a follow-up question I was going to have for you is how important is it to secure opportunities for your clients on an international stage? Because I know something that Mozo does and a lot of other agencies do is that they kind of apply for speaking slots and other things at conferences in another area of the world and then that client in their own area of expertise will get the chance to speak and present at conferences all over the world depending on where that conference that particular conference is but more than that more than the opportunity they have to present their ideas and get across their expertise they obviously then network afterwards and you know obtain and absorb information from other professionals who work in different areas of the world. And I think you're exactly right. I mean, colleagues I've had in the performance industry, called them colleagues, I mean, peers, friends, whatever you want to call it in the theatrical world, actors, (laughs) fesps, they've gone on tours in other areas of the world. They've gone on tours of Italy, they've gone on tours of Spain. When I worked for the Young Shakespeare Company, I was lucky enough to go and perform for 10 days out in Beijing, you know, to students and children out there. And I didn't necessarily obtain a huge amount of performative expertise relative to geography but I obtained a lot of real world real time cultural knowledge you know knowledge of a different area of the world I mean is it something you look at when you are, say for example working with a client who works abroad we've used the example of Tom quite often Tom Pigott Ludo and Tom obviously I think works out of Seattle I think thinking right in um, thinking and he for example might look to secure a speaking opportunity over here in Europe or somewhere else in the States is that something you would look to try and secure Mm. for a client for a number of different reasons not just the opportunity for them to present their own ideas but also to absorb those new ideas from peers in a different area of the
1: world Tom's a great example of being a global business actually his entire development team his technical development team is based in Portugal so it's here in Lisbon where Miguel and George are based. Of so, course
0: it is, yeah. I remember I've, yeah, I've read about that. So, yeah. I
1: mean, he runs a he runs a global team. So yeah, absolutely. It's really important for clients to speak in different geos. And we are living in a much more global environment now. But every time I meet with this particular group, my group of agencies, it always brings me back to the reason that we founded the group, which is the fact that operating in each different geography in each different culture is so much more effective. If you've got, if you've got feet on the ground, if you're a man of that people, so to speak, you. we've heard phrases like the ugly American and stuff like that. But the problem is, and those come from a position of not understanding another culture that comes from a position of, for example, you know, American press releases are usually about three pages long and really do not translate even in in England. We're a different country. We have different yeah. cu- we have different culture, and they certainly don't translate into Morocco, which is where another one of our fabulous partners was from from Brandon, image Unis and Raja came over from Morocco, and talking to them about how they localize their you know the press releases that, that, that they send out and the different media and everything else it's just so important that you understand and respect the cultures of the, the territories that you're selling your products and service into. And it's incumbent upon us if we as and we we say we are a global agency because we have access to routes our routes to market are via our network of partners but it's incumbent on us to understand their cultures and be able to set our clients expectations on how they can tell their story in different markets and how they have to. So when we meet, we don't just talk about our businesses, but we talk about what's happening in each of those countries. What are the trends? What are the issues? What's happening with the media? What are people worried about? What's particularly in our case, because the thing we all have in common is technology. What's happening with technology And we're so lucky in the UK. We're always doing new and innovative things. We are real creators in the UK. And you notice that more when you travel. And so I was there going, Metaverse, blockchain, Web3, (laughs) NFTs, rah, 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 rah. And um, they they were talking about much more sort of sustainability, for example, as we've talked about. Um, It's really, you know, it's really important, coming back to your original point about getting people to speak around the world, it's really important to really understand the geographies you're working in and you don't you don't really get that unless you're talking with the people that come from them
0: and we've spoken a lot about soft skills in PR and how I actually found it really interesting that your Italian colleague was it competence that he runs over in Italian by the way a very apt and very, very brave name to call the company. Uh, I, I enjoy your calling it competence. I'm like, yeah, they you are must know very what you're doing. Yeah,
1: as well. They're I've really no doubt.
0: Yeah, you kind of got to put your money where your mouth is with a name like competence. I really love that. That's fantastic. <laughs> he sounds like a bit of a guy. Um,
1: oh, but... He's amazing. He he was ex-person Marcella and he just, he set up with nothing. Wow. You know, he, he left one day and just set up in his study with, went to Ikea, bought a desk. Love it. And started. Just gets it. And, And now he's, you know, 15 years down the line, running a two million pound business. Wow. Just doing brilliantly.
0: Doing brilliant work and also important work, right? Because actually what was really interesting is this idea that he took sustainability material in terms of learning about sustainability into a university. And it kind of segued nicely into something we've spoken about before, which is that there isn't necessarily, certainly nothing that I'm aware of, a PR specific university course like you can do a degree in communications you can do a degree in international relations you can do things like that but there's not like necessarily a one-size-fits-all catch-all PR university course and we've spoken about well, well you
1: say that Lyle this is that's another really interesting thing that I I discovered we take our education for granted sometimes and certainly in the UK we have courses on pretty much everything hmm. um, that you could start I mean. As you know, I study upholstery. I'm you know, going to become fully qualified in upholstery because I'm putting years of work into it. I was talking to my colleague in Spain, Francisco from One to One PR, and he was like, there are no PR degrees in Spain. Wow. So anyway. he is really, you know, he has to really train his people in what PR is all about. And interestingly, his focus is totally on media relations. That's all he's concerned about. And his real focus is clippings and coverage. I'm not sure how representative he is of every Spanish PR agency I'd like to know. And if any Spanish PR agencies are listening, come on. Get in
0: touch. Info at yeah, like the rspr.com.
1: Certainly, you know, he was saying that, and it's interesting because a lot of the clients that we serve are all international clients. And he was saying Spain, Portugal, they're seen as sort of lesser areas of influence or importance. So, you know, all he has to do is not all he has to do, it's obviously very hard getting the amount of coverage he does, but he is measured on his coverage, and that's his go-to. And he's all about KPIs. And so we Madness. had a big discussion about KPIs and you know it's very different KPIs in each territory are very different and it's I have a very a-
0: unique way of looking at it as well, isn't it? You know it's... Yeah.
1: Really fascinating, big arguments about KPIs.
0: <laughs> <laughs> but this is this actually lends me quite nicely onto the point of oh, the question I was going to ask actually, which is speaking about soft skills in previous episodes and how PR is very it's important to have certain soft skills when it comes to working in PR. How much have you had to learn to network? How much have you had to learn to Ooh. network in different countries? Because that's not something I think anyone can ever be taught. It's very much a skill you develop and learn. Can you maybe talk us through your first experience of traveling abroad? And again, if there are some details you do not want to let slip then you know please feel so free funny. not to. But...
1: No, 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 it's fine. It's funny. I've always been accused accused of being <laughs> very confident and... I've mentioned my lack of an embarrassment gene a few times on this podcast (laughs) but I do remember really clearly my first ever networking event when I went in cold and I knew nobody and that was there was there was this title called new media age um, that it doesn't exist anymore but at the time it was the tech crunch of its time and actually Mike Butcher worked on New Media Age, and he was the only person I knew at this event and of course everybody else wanted to talk to Mike Butcher and I was left standing at the Good side, person to know like, to be fair though, like, you know, good person to know that. Clutching my drink at the side of this <laughs> room, I don't know anybody, what am I going to do? How am I going to start a conversation something? <laughs> you know, I paid something ridiculous like £195 for a ticket to go to this thing, you know. And that was a lot, it is a lot of money today. And it was a very, it was a huge amount of money 25 years ago. (laughs) So, um, and I was just standing there thinking, I have to make this money work for me. And I, I look back at that person and I think, oh, wow, you know, that, that was tough. That was hard. How did I get over it? You just have to almost take a deep breath and understand that everybody else is in your position. And once you sort of get that in your head, that everybody else is there to do what you're there to do, and nobody's going to judge you, and nobody's going to think badly of you if you come up, and they're not going to diss you if you come up to them, unless you do something stupid, like go up to them when they're talking or in the middle of making a very solid point, you know, you can be respectful of somebody's face, but if you see somebody else standing at the side, clutching their glass, move up there, say hi, introduce yourself, they're not going to tell you to jog on
0: politely everybody's
1: there to do the same thing so I think that's that's the most important thing with with networking but I I have seen people try very badly to network you know running around with the I have an imperative I have you know I, I have to tell people this about my company and and not reading the room and not reading the environment and and not sort of positioning themselves very well. And you do have to really just put yourself, I always say to people, put yourself in other people's shoes and that will get you halfway there.
0: I have a, uh, I have sort of two different experiences of networking. So I have, uh, obviously as an actor, we do a lot of networking. First of all,
1: yeah.
0: I think it's thrilling to sort of, and I imagine the listeners will feel the same, to know that someone like yourself who now goes to all of these events and does so brilliant, and you are now kind of arguably... The Mike Bitscher, do you know what I mean? Like, people want to talk to Jackie, do you know what I mean? People want to go to these events and talk to you, which is it's absolutely amazing. It's a privilege
1: amazing. if somebody wants to come and talk to you.
0: Exactly, yeah. It's
1: a privilege. And and I'm grateful for people coming to talk to me. And I think it, you learn, you only learn from other people. So, you know, the more you talk to people, the more you learn. So, if you do ever see me at an event, I happily come up to me and talk to me, unless exactly I'm in, right. the the unless Jackie's go, in the middle of a point. Unless Jackie's in the middle of a point.
0: <laughs> no chance. Then just don't go anywhere near it. No, no. But I mean, my my two my two examples of networking. The first one is kind of a more serious one. So, as an actor, you do a lot of we have a showcase at drama school, and then obviously agents are invited, and you have to sort of network with agents, and you're kind of cap in hand to an extent, represent me, but it also has to be the right choice. And this isn't a podcast about making the right choices when it comes to acting agents. And if anyone wants to talk to me, I've had two or three of them in my life, and some have been good and some of them have been not so good. Um, But I've respected them all, I want that on record. But you network and then you go to music events, and I've hosted live music events before and networked with people who work in the music industry and musicians. And someone said to me once at an event like this, when I was doing a bit of networking, doing a bit of chatting, I was getting on really well with someone and I ended up forging a sort of a good working relationship with that person. They said 99 times out of 100, anyone watching you do anything just wants you to do well it's very rare that someone turns up to a thing or arrives at a conversation and hopes you are awful and hopes you fail at whatever it is that you're doing Mm -hmm. and it really stuck with me that point because I would go into a performance go into a performance of music go into a conversation with someone who I really wanted to connect with on a professional level that might further my career in whatever industry I was talking about and I would Occasionally be terrified because I would be like, any misstep, any sort of move in the wrong direction, any misspoken word, and it's over, it's game over. And when this person said this to me, I sort of thought to myself, well, people make mistakes, right? You know, in the moment, they're unlikely to be catastrophic. And all that person you'd hope wants from this interaction is for you to be impressive and be good. No one walks around hoping people fail. And if they do, that's not the best trait. So that's kind of the serious point is like, like you just mentioned go into it with confidence be approachable take a deep breath relax into it realize that people around you are like minded and they want what's best for themselves for you for the whole team in that room that's that's kind of the atmosphere the funny networking point is that i was at a gala performance of a musical called beautiful which is a carol king musical and i was a bit late and my agency I had invited clients there, and they were lucky enough to get tickets. I was just a little bit late because I was on a job. And I arrived at the front of the theatre, and there were a couple of people just outside the theatre. And then just outside the very front door was a young man by the name of Ainsley Harriet, who, uh, <laughs> is, uh, you who know, is a very, very famous personality, chef, host of Eddie Steady Cook, all of this stuff. And I just thought to myself, social experiment. I'm going to pretend I know him. And that he knows me and i went straight up to him and i went ainsley hi how are you good to see you again and because he'd probably been doing all sorts of other things he went hello mate how are you good to see you how's things going <laughs> and we had a full-on five-minute conversation where i was like oh yeah you know keeping going keeping busy you know sort of typically sort of you know don't have enough time to get brilliant. through all the stuff i need to do what about yourself yeah yeah a few projects coming up like really exciting but just basically living the dream you know me i was like oh that's brilliant to hear mate." i'll tell you what let's catch up upstairs I've just got to go and meet someone is that all right but I'll see you later yeah we'll catch up and he was like yeah good to see you mate really good to see you and we had a conversation like Ainsley Harriet really and who I was.
1: conversation probably yeah. thought to himself I can't remember where exactly. I before <laughs> yeah. what a nice guy what yeah. a nice cat
0: and then when I moved away and I thought right like, deep breath now you've just basically acted as though you know Ainsley Harriet let's never do anything <laughs> like that ever again you're a fool but I was just like yeah I went and told the people who were with my agency that I'd done that and they were like what are you on about and I was like well I kind of demonstrated a little bit of confidence in the moment and I didn't say anything out of line. I was just myself, but I was myself as if he knew me, you know what I mean? It was, I wasn't pretending to be somebody else. It was just an interaction that I had with someone and I was confident and I just did my thing. And I think, you know, it's a, it's a huge skill. It's a very, very hard skill to develop, to hone, to nurture, but once you get it, it, they can become very fun events to be at. They become less nerve-wracking, anxiety-inducing things. They
1: you can. Know? And I think the most important thing is not to be too selfish, mm. to always try to bring a bit of value. And oftentimes people just want to interact and have a dialogue.
0: Mm. And
1: as long as you listen to people, ask good questions, that's half of the battle One as well. If you're nervous and you're trumpeting about what you know about and you don't get anything back out of it yourself anyway because you're just broadcasting, absolutely and i've often talked about pr being everyone sees pr as a bit of a broadcast medium you know we have messages to give out but nowadays with everything that we have with social media with influencers and with every kind of technological platform that you can engage upon it's very much more of a dialogue that you're you're building and that you're engaging with people so with your networking whether you're doing a presentation, whether you're having a meeting, it's all about the dialogue and and PR is about starting the dialogue, engaging with people.
0: Exactly right. I mean, I'm going to go on to say, by the way, that I initially titled this podcast the rest is international PR and events and it's now going to be the rest is networking at events and a little <laughs> bit about traveling um but before we close out this episode which has been another brilliant one and by the way thank you so much Jackie as well from uh sort of arriving at this podcast from Lisbon from an international territory as yeah it have were. you heard
1: the have you heard the waves hitting the the beach during this there was
0: <laughs> this is the thing
1: While we were talking a ship went by and all the waves started crashing i was thinking should i put this on mute or not
0: <laughs> could not have timed it better because over in lisbon in the glorious setting that jackie finds herself in the waves are crashing against the shore <laughs> by the hotel and listeners you may or may not have just heard that over here in west london a moped has just sped by <laughs> my flat uh and that you know you see is that's the beauty of podcasting, right? Is you know, we could be coming from two different locations and the atmosphere is still as you know diverse and mixed as it possibly. Ambient.
1: Be. Ambient. <laughs>
0: Ambient's a great word. That's that's the better word, isn't it? That's the word I was searching for. Before we finish this once again brilliant episode uh this week, I have one final question. It does kind of relate to travel. We spoke mm-hmm. a little bit about the mental health side of remote working and how maybe a return to working in the office, even if it's just one day a week, can kind of boost that insofar as you're actually interacting with people on a more intimate level. Work-life balance is a huge thing in all industries. And when it comes to traveling for work, sometimes that can be strained quite heavily because you're having to wake up in the wee small hours to fly sometimes five, six hours, maybe even longer than that to the other side of the world. Then you're instantly doing some work the second you land and then you're back home again and it just knocks you out for however long. How have you found... Dealing with strains put on the work life balance? Is it something you enjoy traveling abroad, or or have you had instances where you think this is just really draining me? This is knackering me out? And how have you dealt with that throughout your career?
1: Frankly, this year it's been such a shock to the system because. It almost feels like certainly me at an all-you-can-eat buffet. uh, As soon as everything was opened out, everybody's gone sort of travel mad. Everyone's like, oh, you've got to come to Helsinki, you've got to come to Istanbul, you've got to come to Madrid. All of my invitations opened up, and I, like at my all-you-can-eat travel buffet, was like, yes, of course I'll come to Toronto, of course I'll be in Seattle. And it has absolutely shattered me, because it Mm. is I'm not going to moan about it because everybody, it is a privilege and I am quite conscious of the environment as well. And I feel like I need to regulate myself a little bit better because although I am, you know, doing good things and I do try to offset my carbon in all sorts of different ways, I am sort of quite cognizant of all of the other issues that that go with with travel. So it it is tiring. It is, all I will say is, like with everything, it's all about the value it's all about the planning it's all about your objectives what you're going to get out of it if by me attending this conference with all of my international peers can I bring back value can I bring back is it worth it on the environment on my health on everything else that's the judgment calls you've got to make and certainly this has I think sometimes you should limit your travel if you can get as much done as you can do via this wonderful technology that we have let's do it that way I don't know where I'm going with this
0: no no it's... but you're right you're right in saying what you say I mean I think it has to be come down to sort of you know people talk about cost benefit analysis in all walks of the professional world in all works of the industry and walks of life as well you know what is you've got to marry the pros and cons of a particular thing you've gone out to do this event because the merits outweigh the cons of having to travel yeah. also by the way you're in a beautiful location of the world. Do you know what I mean? So actually that comes with its perks, right? But you're absolutely yeah. right.
1: When we first started this 20 years ago, we were saying we've been doing these conferences for 20 years. We used to pick uh, a location per partner. And then about 10 years ago, we went, listen, we all just like Lisbon.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Should we just?
1: Should we just go to Lisbon? It's so easy <laughs> perspective, and we all, you know, we're guaranteed good weather, and the Portuguese food is fabulous, and the people are fabulous. People Lisbon. are nice. So we actually, you know, this, this, this is. A re- come down the funnel it's been funneled down to Lisbon although our Moroccan partner said you have to come to Casablanca we'll, we'll and Marrakesh next year and we were like oh I think we could just about do a skip oh I think least. we can manage Casablanca
0: <laughs> gosh well there you go there's an inside scoop <laughs> um, but
1: <laughs> indeed but um no I mean joking aside it is it, it's, it's a serious it's a serious business traveling it's expensive cost to the environment and it's cost to your your work and I'm so privileged and lucky that you know I can continue to work from anywhere in the planet. My days are are not affected in terms of serving my clients, serving my team. So yeah, it's something you do have to weigh up the pros and cons to, especially in today's environment.
0: Exactly right. Yeah, exactly. You sort of manage manage your workload, manage what you're able to do and what you're able to achieve, but also you know enjoy the adventure that is being able to go and we have discussed already in this podcast what you're able to obtain not just in business and in terms of the checklist and things you've got to tick off but things you don't expect to absorb like your conversation with your italian peer about the sustainability content which sounds absolutely fantastic we have covered pretty much the whole shebang and more when it comes to
1: all around the houses though
0: so it kind of feels it's like we could call hotels our hotels. we could call our episode the rest is maths and spend forty five <laughs> minutes talking about history, couldn't we Do you know what I mean, that's just sort of the sort of podcast this is turning out to be. but as ever, thank you so so much Jackie, for joining us this week, but also for joining us, like I said from all the way over in Lisbon. I hope the rest of your time out there is as fruitful as it has been so far and we look forward We're to planning for having Helsinki you back next
1: week now
0: oh what else see and now she's off to Helsinki. I mean yeah, I'm
1: flying from Lisbon to Helsinki, which, was a pig to pack for i have to say there you go i was gonna it say 27 degrees here and 13 degrees <laughs> <there>. <laughs> so
0: and i can confirm layered. listeners i will still be here in london uh,
1: <laughs> that's okay though
0: you know it's fine because i'm at base editing this for your listening pleasure it's all good you know jackie is the talent and I just press a few buttons sure, on the. the I'm joking, I'm joking. Well, <laughs> listeners, as ever, thank you so much for being with us on the latest episode of The Rest Is PR. If you would like to get in touch with us to suggest a subject for the next episode or episodes further down the line, or if you'd like to appear on the podcast from whichever industry you're part of, you can get in touch with me, Lyle at demozo.com. You can get in touch with demozo info at demozo.com, or you can get in touch with The Rest Is PR directly. Info at the Rest Is PR. Dot com. If you'd like to hear more about the podcast, head over to the rest is PR.com. And as ever, if you'd like to hear what Jackie, Daph, myself, the rest of the team have been up to over at Demozo, it is Demozo.com. I've been Lyle. She has been the wonderful Jackie over in Lisbon. And we'll see you next week for the next installment of the rest is PR. Bye for now.